You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hey friends, happy Monday. Welcome to the Horny Housewife Podcast. If you're new, hello, I'm Jordan, your host. And today we will be discussing larger labias, as well as discussing part three of our Tantric Date Night series, which is expressing your desires. Bear with me. This date is all about saying what you want, asking for what you want, and getting what you want. So we're going to learn to guide each other. We're being sexually intelligent. We're going to be able to say yes. We're going to be able to say no when we want. We're testing boundaries. And you're going to discover how you like to be touched. So doesn't that sound wonderful? Yes. We'll also be discussing a mismatched libido situation which BT-dubs is a very frequent topic that we get over here on this podcast because my demographic for the most part entirely is people in committed relationships, married, horny fucking people. And you know what? Married people deserve to have hot, weird sex too, okay? And I think that they're having the most hot, weird sex. But we're also here to normalize the in-betweenies, the seasons, the feelings of like, "Mm, I'm in a rut or what can I do to spice it up? I talk to a lot of y'all in the DMs or on the Patreon or you send in an anonymous question, whatever. And so I hear your story. I hear your cries, your pleas, your perspective, your insight, and I love it. And I like to pass it on because we all want to hear this shit. We need to know this shit. So stick around so you can hear this shit. I have cotton mouth. Does anybody else have cotton mouth? I'm only one minute and 40 seconds in. Holy shite. Just to let you know, guys, that I go out of town next Thursday. So that to Vegas. To Las Vegas, baby. I am so excited as a mother, as a wife. I just want to let everybody know that I have full full intent. Like I am, my intentions, these are my intentions. Picture perfect, you don't need no filter. I am going to dress like a whore, like a whore. For some reason, being married, taken, knowing that I'm like not going out there to like go hit on someone, flirt, put myself out there. I can, I just really love dressing like a slut for some reason. And my husband doesn't mind it. I love that even more. Anything, I'm like, I like seeing them look when they walk by. And I love that. I love that about him. So any men right now in this current time that are upset about outfit choices, I think you need to let it go. If she's a good wife, if she's a baddie, if she isn't an actual whore, if she's an actual whore, and it's okay if you're a retired whore, this does not apply to you. But if she's cheating on you, then like, okay. Okay. But if she's not, and you know she is a good wife, let her almost show her labia. I don't care what you think about it. I don't care what you think about it. I think we're all big enough girls to know the appropriate time, God willing, God hoping, that we're not doing this to go pick up our kid from school drop-off. This isn't PTA night. We're not doing this at a business dinner. This is 
mom and dad weekend. This is I'm going to be around strangers. Uh, no one knows me. No one knows my name. I'm, I might change my fucking name. More power to me. More fucking power to me. And the point of me sharing this information with you, not only because I love you and want to keep you in the loop, is that I've got two episodes to make, two audio eroticas to put on the Patreon. Join the fucking Patreon. Link in the episode notes before I go out of town because you know I'm not going to be able to record there because this is the first solo trip my husband and I have taken in over a year which since the time we've been together, we have never gone three, four months without getting away somewhere. Since my kid was born, even three months old, we're like, peace out, mental health trip, baby. Judge me. By the way, I 10 out of 10 do not recommend going that long without doing it. And we've had some staycations. I'm sure I'm being like unappreciative, not counting on my blessings here, but it's much needed Mama needs to let her hair down, wear a bikini, fry my skin. The med spa I go to would not approve. I don't suggest wear your sunscreen. P.S. If you're a member of the Patreon, you're going to get a based on real events audio erotica. So go join. It's a cup of coffee is the cost. Okay. Once a month, not every day, not once a week, once a month. And you're getting six stories. I think that's a hell of a deal, and I won't lie not to toot my own horn. Toot, toot. I have gotten better. I've gotten better. I believe the last story that I read, Daddy After Midnight, which made me squirm and moist, was the best read that I've done thus far in the history of the podcast, not the Patreon. It's that good, and I stand behind that. So this means big things for the future episodes. Stay tuned. The first thing that I want to talk about on this lovely sunny Monday, summer in Washington fucking finally, is feeling insecure in your relationship. Now, raise your hand if you struggle with feeling insecure at times. My hand's raised. Nothing to be ashamed about. Nothing to be ashamed about. I think we all experience it. I think women maybe are a little more vulnerable about it than men. I think we are in a time where men feel more accepted talk about their emotions, their feelings. Honestly, I think it gets men laid more in general, which some men have hacked, if you quote unquote will. I think there's a whole fuckboy genre of men who love bomb, will use your insecurities against you to manipulate you, to get in, to make you feel bad for them. So there are over-emotional guys. How do I know this? Because that was like my type for a while men that could be super emotionally available for me because that was something that I I now realize that I wasn't getting at home from one of my parents. So we're all humans. I'm not here to bash on one of my parents. I'm just saying that that is a very common, like being a person, being an offspring of someone, being a product of your environment. It's a realization We have flawed human being parents, believe it or not, and we create these limiting beliefs. And so we have to grow up and smash those, figure those bitches out and move on and realize like, oh, I'm I'm not that. I'm this. I'm capable of this. I needed that then and I didn't get it, but I don't have to go find that validation this way now. Are y'all following? So in the beginning of my dating life, 
which I mean, I'm only 33. I don't know fucking shit. Who knows where I'll be in a decade. But I know that I fell for and was in long-term relationships with guys who said all the right thing, who I felt so incredibly seen by, so understood. Like they felt the same kind of pain that I did, or they felt the same kind of uniqueness I did. Oh no, she's terminally unique. Just young, dumb, stupid, in love. And again, like going after what I thought that I needed and wanted. And all of them, and I don't think all guys that are emotionally available, I do not think this whatsoever. But when I was a youngin, 19, 20, 21, 22, the men that were where I felt incredibly seen by and that just emotionally filled my cuppy. When I was with them, it was heaven. It was like when I was with them, everything felt really great. But when we were apart was when I felt anxious and not good, waiting for the shoe drop to drop. Is this too good to be true? And that started by the first love that I ever had that I thought this was perfect. La, la, la. And I was never the girl that was ever taught or told or thought that you should be marry the first person you fall in love with. If anything, I had parents that were like, that probably won't work out. We advise you to find out what you like, find out what you don't like. You're young. You have many people to meet. My dad especially told me that, and I really appreciate that. And my mom had been married once before my dad, so I think she was on the same page and knew. Like, that was reality. And I see that now. A lot of people that I know that got together 15, 16, 18, 19, they now in our 30s, they've either divorced or they've had some period of separation and are back together now, stronger, better than ever. But there was something where they wanted to go experience other people. I know that's not the case in all stories. Of course not. Back to the emotionally available men that I thought were perfect, healed. All of those dudes ended up cheating on me. All of those dudes were loved being in love. All of those dudes had hella game, hella swagger, and it didn't take much for a pretty interesting, great personality girl to come around and distract or maybe get him in trouble. So then I felt unworthy or like, why am I not good enough for this person to be good to me? And I didn't realize at the time that it had nothing to do with me not being good enough or... I'm not a badass enough girlfriend to be faithful to because if I was, then he wouldn't do that to me. And that is not true. So if any woman believes that, cuckoo and Cocoa Puffs, DM me. I'll hype you right back up. Something unfortunate that I will say, because I can't say the same for men, <laughs> womp, 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 is I think that men and women, we know this, we've talked about this, a lot of people have talked about this, that men and women cheat for very different reasons. I don't think that's true all the time too. Just know if I say something, I don't think that it means 100% of the time, so I don't have to keep saying that. But I think women more so cheat because they are looking for something that they're longing for at home that they've expressed over and over and over that they need, that they want. They've made it black and white. They, they're not expecting people to mind read. There are women who cheat that the guy's like, dude, 
you couldn't have said something. And that's why I constantly am like communication, communication, communication. You've got to get that down so you can communicate your wandering eye. So you can communicate when things are shit and you need to have some course correction. Something I'm learning right now in my life, because again, 33, still in the beginning of this thing called life. We're not going to say I'm in the middle. I think you have to be in your 40s to say that. But is that there are people that are just not willing. There are people that are not willing. Maybe they say they will, but they're not willing to do the work. And they're not willing to look inward. And they're not willing to see why something is the way it is. And I'm struggling to have any compassion for those people. I struggle to understand how those people think. I struggle to relate to them. There are people that I love like this, but I just don't understand how they can have a relationship that goes the distance and not go, I have to be intentional about evolving, growing, and changing with my spouse. And I know that a lot of us, I've heard stories of a lot of couples saying like, well, first it was me and then it was him. This little old couple, I shared this story in a podcast a while ago. I worked at a hotel and this little little couple were like, we didn't fall out of love at the same time. And I did think it was cool. And now I don't know if now, like eight years later, if I think it's disgusting, but either way, I don't know how I feel about it. I see what they're saying there. I see what they're saying there. Sometimes one person is straddling like in and out and the other person's all in, cheering them on, nurturing, showing up, choosing them. And then the tables turn. There's always times where the tables turn and my toxic ass sometimes loves it. When I mention being insecure in your marriage, insecure as a couple, like do you think you're strong or you're not strong? Insecure as your own individual, how you feel about yourself, your own self-worth, your own self-esteem, your body image. I encourage people to take their power back and to not give anyone else the ability to make them feel small. And I know some people could go, wow, that's really hard to do. And if that's the case, then, then you have a lot of work to do is what that means, honestly. We all know, women know, men know, I know, I know how damaging being insecure can feel. And I think voicing it and saying, hey, I'm feeling insecure about this. And if you're in a healthy, good marriage and your spouse knows your love languages, I think my opinion is that person would affirm you, validate your feelings, or at least talk about their feelings that they disagree as to this lie of a feeling, like if this is something that you're believing about yourself or about a situation and you're all up in your head, don't gaslight her dudes. Women, don't gaslight your husband. That'll be the first and last time he comes to you about his feelings. Pretty please, pretty please try not to have an attitude because then that could be the first and last. Delivery and timing is so important. One of the biggest, I'll be vulnerable, I have to come on here every fucking week and do a podcast. I don't have good weeks every week. I don't have the picture perfect relationship where everything's just smooth 24-7. Why do you think I started this fucking podcast? I wanted a community. I wanted to relate and help people feel seen. And let me just tell you, 
from experience. And I'm sure you know if you've experienced this, but let me just tell you. So if you need to be called out, Jordan's doing it. If your spouse, your wife, or your husband is coming to you about in, about something that they're upset about, or they look visibly upset and they even haven't come to you, you know, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but it's there's people that don't do this. If you see your wife crying, don't look at her. Don't look at her while she's crying. Go sit by her, even if it's about you. Even if she's crying because she's upset by you, that's how you're going to show up for her. Every action you do or don't do is either going to make the situation better or worse. And I know some guys could get sour about that because like, what about her part? She has a part. It takes two to tango. But I guarantee you that men, you are leaders and how you take this situation by the hand, if you're having conflict or if you're having a conversation that's uncomfortable or she's coming to you about something she's not happy about, or you need to come to her about something that you're not happy about. And if it's something you're insecure about and y'all are married, you'll know if this is something triggering to your spouse or not. Even more grace, love, and tolerance, and you will get the outcome. You will bear that fruit. When you're on the defense, when you're just protecting your ego, you are in instant gratification. You are emotionally stunted. You are hurting your relationship. You are not choosing your partner. You're choosing yourself and you're ripping each other away from each other and placing a wedge in between between your relationship for resentment to thrive. And the more you don't show each other respect, and we have different views of what respect could be. For one person, this means respect. For another person, this means respect. That's why you have to communicate so you can see the base of what people expect, need, the boundaries they have, and you honor them. That's how you show a person honor and love. And when you have a spouse who doesn't try to give that in the way that you do, you will end up hating them. And that will grow and grow, and you will eventually have to come to a point of facing the music and go, this has to change, or you're going to end up fucking hating each other. I always say in every episode with every listener question, willingness, that's where it all starts, willingness and communication and acceptance and love, all these cliche corny things. But without them... Things just don't feel as good, and you deserve to feel good. Both of you do. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. 
Okay, I polled y'all on the IG about if you've told your significant other how many people you fucked, like your roster, your sexual history. 68% of y'all said you were open bucks. I, I suspected that to be the majority. 26% said you've never asked, so you're just chill, you don't care. You know, I didn't ask. I just like assumed. By the way he ate my pussy, I just assumed that he had eaten a lot of them. Uh, I don't want to know. 7%. I hope they don't ask. 7% sluts. Well, my husband, my, I would have picked, I'd hope they don't ask. Uh, my husband hasn't asked me and I've asked him like, why don't you ask me? He's like, I just don't really care to know. Shocking. Huh? Now, I don't think any guy has been like, so many people have you fucked. Okay. I can think of two guys right now that have asked me that. And I've asked them back. I think, nah, I was about to say that I think my husband has probably been like, that's the person who I've been with or who I'm with that's been with the most people. But no, that's impossible. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't know. I don't know. Not impossible, but I just, I just don't think so. And by the way, I had a listener ask me about like how to go about that topic. I personally, my opinion, I really don't think it's anyone's business. You know, I think that could be a controversial statement. There's definitely people who disagree with me, but like, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I think it's almost like better left unanswered. But then again, there's very curious people and I've got a lot of opinion and a lot of like, advice and what I think. But when it comes to that topic, I would truly say like, if she's resistant to tell you, I would guess that means she feels ashamed about it. Or maybe she wants to keep you guessing. Maybe she wants you to think she was sluttier than she was. Or maybe like she thinks nine guys is atrocious and wants her number to be smaller than yours. I always heard you divide what a guy says by three, and you multiply what a woman says by three. That was probably true up until 30. And then I think people started getting honest or 25. Definitely guys in college were fucking lying. They were fucking lying. And so were girls. They were like, I've never done this before. Oh my God. Fuck bitch. You did this two days ago, like less than 48 hours ago. Okay, it's officially time for la la listening questions. Number one, larger labias. I have a larger labia and I hate it, but my partner says he doesn't care and he loves it, but I feel like it holds me back. Help. Girlfriend, your larger labia is loved, is loved. When I posted this question on my Instagram at underscore the horny housewife podcast, follow me. I had people respond and say, I love large labias, men that said this. And guess what? It's all in your head, sweetheart. And if there's a guy who's judging you, judging your labia whilst fucking you, he can go fuck himself. He's not for you and he sucks. You don't want that. You want to be with a guy who's judging your labia? Like, let's judge him. Can you stand up and do a 360 for me, please? Let me see like the space in between your balls and your butthole too, please. Yeah, no, fuck that. 
I say you start a club, see who joins and be like, wow, look at all these hot bitches with large labias. Don't do that. I don't think you should start the club, but I think you should tell your pussy you think she's beautiful every day. Look in the mirror, look at your pussy and go like, damn, I'm fucking sexy. And if you're not ready to take pictures of it, that's fine. But I bet you could send it to your man or your future man and he would be whacking it to that picture. So trust me when I tell you that your biggest critic is you. Hyping you up was really important to me and 125% the truth, all of it, period. But I also wanted to be a cool bitch, like be on your team. And if you're like, well, what if I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks, how beautiful it is. I can't stand this about me, X, Y, Z, whatever it may be. And yours is your larger labia. There, like you could, if you really wanted to, go do something about it. And I know there are people probably being like, boo, no, you shouldn't just like totally love yourself, never change anything. I think, I mean, I, to an extent, like nothing has to be changed. Like you are in your head about it, but if something makes you fucking miserable and you're just like, I could go do this, like, it's not going to hurt the bank whatsoever. I'd feel 10,000 times better about myself. I just think I'd want to bite the bullet and get a labiaplasty or whatever surgery it may be, then that's your prerogative and it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks of it. Question number two. My wife and I have been together seven years and have four kids where the youngest is almost two. Ay caramba. I try to have sex every day. Wow. And almost always only get it once a week. And it's always the let's get let's get it over with sex where she says I'm on top. I see it as maintenance sex and her assurance I don't stray. I honestly can't remember the last time she came to me wanting sex because she's not horny even after date nights. I'm wanting to try not trying and waiting to see how long it takes for her to notice or for some type of response from her. Is there any reason why I shouldn't do this or is this a good idea? I think I have heard you say this tactic is toxic. Okay. If I ever have merch, I will, like one of the slogans on it will be mildly toxic. Just to let you know, because I occasionally suggest a little mild toxicity, especially if your marriage is like for the most part, like good. Y'all are both like definitely into each other, choosing each other. And you need to like, you know, keep them on their toesies. But for all the women, I, I have to, I ha- including myself, I have to set you straight, give you the real talk on the real. If y'all switched shoes, I know you're going to hate this first part, but you have to fucking hear me. If y'all switched places, four kids and the youngest is two, God help me. That makes me sad thinking about it. That sounded terrible. What a little blessing they are. Guess what? It's a season. I have a son who is five and I still feel in the goddamn trenches and a stepson who's 12 and I'm slightly scared of him. So, and he's wonderful, like super wonderful. We don't talk about the kids here, but no complaints, but I'm still intimidated. That's the point. Kids are little life suckers, energy drainers, something to worry about, something to keep alive, something you know that you're like inevitably going to traumatize in some form or fashion, no matter how hard you try to be perfect. Because even if you do that, then you're going to make them like control freaks or perfectionists. You're just fucked in some, in some way. And we're all doing our best. That was very negative of me. And we're all doing our best, but we're just 
fucking humans. And the point of that was, is that it's common for women to get in this mode, especially because she's popped out three more after the first one. I also want to say that I believe the seven-year itch, me and my husband have been together eight years, I believe it is real. And I I am like a manifester and you speak and claim this shit over your life, but there's this certain time you get to where you're like, we have to be make a decision. We have to choose this because it's getting harder. And kids add this whole other layer and like sh- reveal your flaws even more. And now you're just like seeing each other for parents and people and you stopped dating each other. You've stopped seeing the sexy part of them. And that's why you have to choose each other. Are you dating your wife? Like, are you, is it just like, we need to have sex and she's like, sounds like she's doing a great job by giving you, sounds like the most she can right now. Do I think that y'all could compromise and you could be getting more than sex once a week? I do. I really do. But I think how you go about it is going to matter. And you could totally backfire doing this tactic. Now for some women, this tactic would work and it would get them on their toes and they'd be like, oh shit, like my man needs more. I'm not doing it. Like fuck, he's going to go get it from somewhere else. And then there's another type of woman who's going to shut down, who is going to feel more resentful, hurt, distance herself more, emotionally put a wall up. Like it's not worth finding out which one, in my opinion. My vote is you have a conversation and don't go, I want to have sex every day and you're only having sex once a week and it feels like you're not really into it. I think first you need to look inward and you need to ask her questions. Ask her how she fucking is. How is she mentally? How is her day to day? Is she feeling overwhelmed? What you could do to help deepen your connection because you want to make her feel loved because you want to feel close and your love language is physical intimacy and you want to know what hers is. And it's important for you to prioritize your sex life in your marriage because you know that that is in the top five of what's going to keep your marriage lasting. Say it like that and see her response. That's going to go great. So just rewind that, play it five times, memorize it. I bet it's going to go great. P.S. If you really do that and that backfires, you must reach out to me because... That's a bummer. That's a bummer if it does. We're about to move on to our next segment. By the way, if you want to write in and ask a listener question, you can go to my website, thehornyhousewifepodcast.com. You will be truly anonymous there or go to my social media, Instagram at underscore thehornyhousewifepodcast. DM me. I can get context, whatever, whatever, either way works. We are now at our third part of our tantric date night series, the first being cock devotion, second being pussy devotion or pussy appreciation. I interchange the word quite often. And now we are at our third one, expressing your desires. So buckle up, buttercup. If you're doing this and you're on the third, like I could see some giggles popping out because when I watched the video and he said, I desire to fart in your face, I did a little gigs. I did a little, he went, but that was naughty of me because the point of this is to be receptive, be open. So if we're doing this and we're being intentional, you're going to fucking participate and you're going to play by the rules. Both of you, you both got to be committed. And if you laugh, if you do a little smile, 
Don't roll your eyes. And you're like, what, 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 what could we roll our eyes at? You're basically not holding back. You've been intentional. You're, you signed up for the tantric date night fucking series. And now you're here on number three and you're going to get ballsy. You're going to put your big girl panties on. You're going to grow your balls and your dick size metaphorically is, I don't even know if that made sense. And you're going to be a man. You're going to be a woman and you are going to be brave and get in touch. You may know what you've never expressed to your partner. You may have to do a little dwelling, but I think you know. I think you know what, even if it's not sexual, even if it's emotional or about your future, you are going to sit across from your spouse and you are going to take turns one at a time going through their whole enchilada list not back and forth. It's one person goes, then the next person goes, and you're going to share a desire you have. I want to slap my cock across your face. I want to give you a full body massage and then like your pussy for hours. I want to be able to fuck you for a really long time without coming. I want to not feel fear in our relationship. And after each desire, after each statement, and he did say, I want to fart in your face if that's a kink, who fucking cares? This is a time to share things that you maybe normally would not feel comfortable doing. Makes you feel vulnerable, makes you feel maybe a little embarrassed, but you've been intentional. You've been intentional about your relationship. You're participating. You signed up for this shit, so you're doing it. And then after you say a statement, the person is going to go, that's a good desire. And I get it, ladies. Some, If he really is being ballsy and sharing all his kinks, you may struggle to say, that's a good desire. I have a hot tip for the men. Maybe this isn't the tantric way. I vote you stick to desires you have for you and that specific other person, your spouse sitting right across from you to experience together, zero other souls, vaginas, penises involved. Now, if you're the kinky type and y'all are on the up and up like that and you're open and you're sharing, then by all means, talk about the eight dicks you want at you all at once, whatever, but read the room read the room. That was not taught in the class. That's just my own personal advice. I don't want tantric date night number three to end up in tears and you getting punched. I think it's a splendid idea to share your desires for one another and some things about yourself that maybe you would feel judged for. If you want to slap her across the face with your dick, if you want her to peg you, finger your butt, something like that, that's playing it safer than saying, I want to see you and Peggy next door bang it out. You know, you feel me? A pro to this exercise is you're going to learn things about your spouse and you could find this arousing as well as you are deepening your connection overall. Now, this date night, how it evolves could blow your mind because it did me as I was learning about it. The next exercise is a boundaries exercise and hear me out when I say you start this slow and playful, flirtatious, and there are more ways to press your partner's buttons, boundaries beyond inflicting pain. 
okay, so what are you talking about, Jordan? Inflicting pain, what? You are going to take turns playfully testing boundaries. Start. You'll sit up, sitting across from each other. Picture that. She starts tickling him on the side, kind of pinching at him. She puts her finger up his nose and kind of like pinches. No, he says no. That's a clear no. She's goes back, touches, kind of poking at him, puts her finger in his mouth a little too deep, and he says no. We are practicing using the word no. So not only is it a practice of exerting the no, but the other person receiving the no. And it's powerful, incredibly powerful for the two people going in who have been intentional and chose this exercise to experience and exert boundaries. Remember, this is not a competition. This is not a game. This is not something where you're trying to piss the person off or like violate them. Okay. This is like tickling. Maybe you go to suck their toe and that's not their thing. You go stick your finger in their ear. This is not hardcore. These are just boundaries. And when you don't like it, no, immediately. And they stop immediately. After you move on from this activity, each taking turns, we'll go into something called the emperor and the empress. Def gave me dom sub vibes, sub vibes a little bit, can't talk. And I think it was super sexy. And one person's going to be the giver. One person's going to be the receiver. You're going to take turns. So you each get this opportunity to execute requests. The receiver is going to request every 10 seconds. One request every 10 seconds. You are not going longer than 10 seconds. You are to execute and listen, not to initiate something else. Let's give an example. Lady lying down. Wifey's on her belly, laying down on the bed. Husband's sitting alongside next to her. And what she's going to tune into her body. What does she want? Does she want her hair rubbed? Does she want you to start kissing down her back? And she is going to switch, get in tune with her body for the next request pretty quickly, 10 seconds. I would say that the giver be counting. She can be in her body. And when that 10 seconds is up, you remove your hands. That's your cue. So she's not at all in her head. And you're allowed to ask harder, softer. You're not enveloping it anymore or giving any less. Exactly as she says. Now, if at any time, whoever's turn it is, they make a request that you are absolutely not comfortable with doing, then you will say, thank you for this request. Please ask for another one. That's all. You'll make it. Or say, I'm not willing to do that. Can you make another one? And if you are really enjoying what is happening, you can request the same thing. So I'm not, it's not too strict. It's, it's sounding a little rigid, but powerful exercise nonetheless. It's an exercise to be aware of what you want, of feeling in your body the next desire being in tune with with how you're feeling and feeling okay to ask for it. The course I took suggested setting a timer or some sort of like nice sound. That's not your Apple iPhone annoying timer. I don't give a fuck whether it would be or not. Set a timer for however long so you can block off a certain amount of time for you each to take turns. 
Maybe this sounds bizarre to you. Maybe this sounds too intentional to you. But if you're already doing it, don't knock it. The people that put in the effort that are intentional about this shit, they have the most fire sex lives, I promise. That was all for part three. Next week, you will hear part four, body language and curious touch. So stay tuned for that. There will be new audio erotica on Wednesday, two new juicy ass stories that I can't wait to read so deliciously for you. If you want to sign up, the link is in the episode notes, the link in my bio on any of my socials. It's a small and little growing community, and I love the intimacy we have there and that we're able to like talk back and forth in a more exclusive environment. Like the Instagram, sometimes I just feel like people are watching or like we're going to get taken out. Maybe I just have PTSD because I've had three of my accounts deleted. I don't know, but the Patreon is nice and safe, and that brings me so much warmth and tingles. This episode this week was a bit of a shorty because I have to make two episodes this week because I'm going out of town, mom life, stepmom life, podcasting while doing it all, and running a household. She's so strong and flexing as I'm saying it, like physically flexing my arm, not like flexing like what Gen Z says when they're talking shit or some shit. Next week, there will be audio erotica here on the podcast. So if you don't know how my skills have improved and she's just getting better and better, I'm about to show you. I'm about to sell the shit out of it and you're going to be like, bitch, sign me up. So stay tuned for next Monday. Don't forget to send in all your questions. I always keep you anonymous and your shit is so relatable. Someone needs to hear it. I love you, Freaky Fam. I will see you next Monday.